Welcome to the uh, May 15th. That's right. I had to check the date because uh, I've been up for like, Eric, I'm, I'm powering through. I've been up for like 24 hours. Feeling great. Um, I could be feeling better, though, because I have gone over on every single first basket prop that I bet while on a layover in Michigan. So thanks for nothing. Um, <laughs> legal, legalized gambling. Anyways, we're going to talk about more ways that you can gamble with the week one schedule. We're going to talk through um, our favorite bets. Uh, those lines obviously are up. You can bet them now. I promise not to give you any NBA betting advice. And I think Eric is going to swear to that on the USFL as well. It's going to be a fun podcast. Let's rock. I don't know about you, but when I bet things other than football, I bet like a complete moron. And um, that was what I've done on the NBA today. So um, it's, it's miserable. It's miserable. We the, the Phoenix Dallas game just started. I felt really great about my first basket prop. It was going to be Chris Paul three pointer. And they wanted to get him going early back at home. It's been a bad couple of games for him. DeAndre Ayton is winning tips left and right. Uh, in this series, he of course loses the tip. Luka Doncic hits the first shot, so I, I'm done. What are the like? I've never bet those before. I, I did bet a little bit Milwaukee Bucks with you, partially because my wife and kids mm-hmm. are Bucks fans, so I kind of wanted to watch the game with them, have a little skin in the game. It was nothing big, um, but losing plus two and a half in the first half because of that foul on uh, Giannis, yeah. You know, and, and the thing about it is I got lucky, I thought, with a few of those plays because, like, you know, the, the Bucks took a shot way too early in the shot clock, and then the the Celtics went down, took most of the clock, missed, and the rebound happened. I'm like, okay, this is good. We're going. We're, we're fine. We're fine. We're down two. And obviously then Giannis gets the ball poked away and then pokes the ball back away, and then there's a foul, and they give him a three-point shot on that, and you sort of knew – um, what kind of odds do you get for that? What kind of odds do you get for a first basket? First basket? It, it depends. So you can bet the exact way that the first basket is scored. So um, dunk, layup, three-pointer, or other, which is basically a very uh, way, a very good way of saying that the mid-range is, is done in the NBA. <laughs> they just loop everything else in the other. Um, and so you get um, some pretty, um, you know, on the exact way that it's going to be scored, you get some pretty um, uh, high odds. Um, like I think my Chris Paul one was, I don't know, 40 to one or something like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you're hopefully you're not betting that much on those, but yeah, losing them. Yeah. I mean, I had, I had my, my rent payment on, uh, on Chris Paul's uh, hitting three pointer to start the game. Yeah. Um, I do feel it was funny that Bucks game, obviously they got, um, absolutely trounced and you know you did not foresee grant williams turning into larry bird in that game um but i um did like both underdogs today and the mavs i'm sure are going to find a way to blow plus six and a half but you never know could happen um they could figure it out how's the usfl doing for you by the way uh horribly i i, I, I have, there's no feel better there's no way to sugarcoat it i had a winning week one a winning week four uh-huh. and Losing weeks two, three, and this week, 
Um, I, I got closing line value in every bet, and I lost. I think three out of four that mat like that mattered to me. Uh, I actually in this afternoon's game, I had Houston minus five and a half. Uh, they were up eight with like six minutes left. Quarterback fumbles, mm-hmm. touchdown, and then actually they go ahead and lose the game. Um, so that was that was no privilege. Uh, and, uh, I also had Philadelphia earlier today, plus six, that one, actually, I lost those in my value. That goes plus seven and they were up 10 in the second quarter and then gave up 23 straight points and lost. So it, it was, it hasn't been great. Um, I, I'm, you know, happy, I guess, uh, I'm happy, I guess that, you know, the league's only halfway done. So there's obviously time to improve, but then like a huge part of me after a week like this doesn't want to bet it ever again. Uh, so we'll see what kind of stick to itiveness I have uh, in, in the next week. I would support you moving on from the uh, the USFL, not because I I would I don't think you're a quitter. Let me be clear, but I think that there are probably things that you can find more joy in, like like golf, for example. This is a nice weekend to transition into golf. Um, you've just started fixing your lawn up. Okay, that's we'll talk about get Sunday here in a second. You started fixing your lineup. Um, Tiger is playing in another major. You had a really nice hypothesis uh, in in the last in the Masters. You can continue to use a data driven approach. You can fade the rubes uh, and you can um, pick up a much more. um, I don't know. It's the right word like normal sport or real sport um, than than USFL football. That's my that's my gift to you. Yeah, I, look, I like I, I might just it's one of those things where, you know, part of me is is thinking, OK, are if this were the NFL and I were struggling like this, I probably would keep betting because, you know, I believe in the efficiency of the uh, I believe in the efficiency of the NFL market. I believe in the efficiency of major markets, college football, even something like the CFL that's been around forever. By the way, they're going through their labor disputes, so we don't know if we're going to have a season this year. Um, but with the USFL, like I'm getting closing line value on probably 80% of picks. And yet I'm, you know, not even hitting I'm, my strike rates about 50, 50, which if you, after a while you lose the big or whatever, and the bigger bets that I placed, which have gotten the more higher closing line value loss. So the, the, if you were doing that in, well, for one, in an NFL season, the markets get more efficient as the week, as the season goes on. So you're kind of, you're just unlucky and you're kind of screwed because it's not going to come back around for you because the markets are going to become more efficient as the season goes on. But for a a league like this, a, I think the markets are maybe becoming more efficient, but also B, like, I don't think that the market is signaling anything. If I'm continuing to bet into it, I'm continuing to get closing line value and they're not ending up winning. I, I, you know, so that's more of a signal to me to quit than to like, just go into another pretty liquid, pretty efficient market, which is golf. Very liquid. Uh, by the way, the, the first thing, Tiger is, of course, trending on, on Twitter. And um, the first thing that you see if you click on that is Tiger Woods visibly stronger in lead up to the PGA Championship, which I think is um, is hard not to be visibly stronger than what he looked like on Sunday at the Masters after gritting through that. So there you go. I'm sure people will read that and uh, will once again bet on Tiger and only Tiger. So I. Let's, um, before we get into week one, remind the people, if you can't go to the PGA Championship where uh, it's being played in in Oklahoma, Tulsa, um, 
at uh, Southern, Southern Hills. Um, if you are looking for a green grass look, okay, that is masters or uh, shall I say major championship worthy, you need to go check out Get Sunday, which is, we've talked about this before. Eric has had so much uh, issues with his own lawn. He's been called out by the very people that live in his neighborhood for the ridiculousness of his lawn. Don't be like Eric. Get yourself major championship shit Sunday ready with Get Sunday, um, which gets your entire garden, um, your entire uh, lawn ready to rock in less than 15 minutes. It's that easy. You don't need like some elaborate, you know, mixture of bottles and sprays and all this different stuff. It's very easy. It's 15 minutes and then your lawn looks awesome. They have custom plans that include fertilizer and everything you need to get easily to care for your lawn, feel great about your kids and pets playing around in it. And it's, uh, we're offering you 20% off to our listeners and our listeners only. The syndicate gets 20% off to get their lawn looking great. Plans start at just 129 bucks. You can get 20% off at checkout when you visit GetSunday.com slash forecast. F-O-R-E-C-A-S-T, 20% off at GetSunday.com slash forecast. All right, week one lines are here. And I, I was not here in the country when these were announced, but um, I was feverishly, like I was in Europe and, you know, the time change, it was like six hours, right? So things are getting announced and it's like very late at night. So I am sitting there like just trying to get every morsel that I possibly can, hoping that my girlfriend does not throw my phone into uh, the Mediterranean Sea. And it looks to me, what I could glean and now checking over things is that week one in particular has some really cool matchups. Like I'm very excited about week one and that's not just including, um, you know, the, the opener on um, Thursday and Sunday night, which I think we did a pretty good job of calling. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, uh, I, I think I, man, I was at the office with our friend uh, Dave Silfaro because he, he, oh, was, no. he messaged me and he was like, because, you know, I didn't go in last week because, you know, you and I didn't do the show in the office. And I was mm-hmm. like, and he's like, do you want to come in Thursday? I'm like, what's Thursday? He's like, he's like the schedule release day. I'm like, the hell you're going in for the schedule release. So I went in and actually I did the, um, I did Steve and Sam's podcast, uh, which was interesting on Thursday morning. So I just stayed in. We went in. I know you don't. So this is like the. The only good thing about you being out of town, I went to the Eagle because <laughs> you. Uh, because I know that you don't like that place, but I, I do. So I went, uh, Dave and I went to the Eagle and then like we come back and I'm just sitting there, I'm firing off tweets about the schedule. Like, you know, the Chiefs open in Glendale and like the Chiefs open and close the season in Glendale, send tweet or like Detroit. We'll talk about the Lions. Like this thing's like lining up really well for the Lions this year, right? If you look at everything. Um, and Dave is like kind of a Jared Goff fan. So we're, we're sort of goofing off about that. Um, then there was like the San Diego chargers, like ethering every single other team, social media by doing that anime thing. So it was actually oh, like, see I, that. what's that? I didn't even see that. What'd they do? They made like an anime, uh, uh, of their schedule release. So like uh-huh. most teams, like the Vikings had like John Randall, like yelling it into a, into a camera. Yeah. And then the chiefs had like Andy Reed, like reading it off and like telling fat jokes about himself during it. And then you had like other, and then you had the Falcons one, which was funny because it said Falcons opponents and then 2022. 20, and it's like, 
it looked like a scoreboard where the Falcons were losing to opponents mm-hmm. uh, or schedule or whatever it was, 22-20, which is fitting for them. And, and then the Chargers made this, like, elaborate, like, anime of, like, all their opponents. And it was freaking hilarious. I, You know, the, the most notable one was uh, a picture of, like, an old guy wearing a, a pink shirt sitting down at a bar with a Jaguar face on, you know, basically making fun of Urban Meyer grinding up against that like young woman in, in Columbus after they came. Oh, to no. oh So like no. they, they did not pull punches. And, and honestly, like my only response was the chargers should be able to win games. Shouldn't they? Because they, they do everything else. Well, they crush like everything. Uniforms are amazing. Stadium's great. Sandy. Oh, it's not even San Diego anymore, but LA is a great city. Coach is <laughs> awesome. Coach makes great decisions. Quarterback's amazing. Defense has good players. And it never adds up to anything, you know. Uh, social media is, is great. Uh, you, you'd think that they'd uh, add that thing up to uh, to something that uh, you know ended up being more than just a nine and eight and, and bowing out of the playoffs. Yeah, so they are opening on Sunday afternoon um, against the Las Vegas Raiders. That might be a good place to start. So. What we'll do is we'll run through uh, the week one games and we'll spend more time on the ones that we like and sides we like. And by the way, you can go check out on PFF.com, you and Ben Brown, who uh, did an admirable job, a wonderful job. You guys did an excellent job. Did you job watch it, George? Did you watch it? We, I, we watched, had- I did. I watched a little bit uh, on my flight while I had Wi-Fi that would actually allow me to stream. Can, can you, uh, by the way, uh, I have to make an appreciation here for George. Uh, I went through that entire podcast. I think I'm a good host. Like, yeah. I think I do a good job of, get, of, of distributing the ball and, and making plays. Um, but I blew through that entire thing, did not make one ad read. Uh, so I had to do them all at the end. Um, I mean, I've done know, that. You have, but not pre- not recently. I mean, you're a lot better at it than I am. So, like, I came to appreciate, obviously, not, that, not just your analysis and your wit, uh, but also your ability to stay on uh, on task, which which of course I did not. Uh, there only managed to be, by the way, like maybe one Vite rant about how the Vikings uh, win totals uh, is what it is. But honestly, after running the simulation, I might be a Vikings over better this year. Who knows? Uh, I, I think that things land favorably for them. That's exciting. We're going to do now that the schedule set. I think what we'll do is on Wednesday we'll. We'll go over the simulation results now with the schedule set. And we kind of now know, you know, who's got the the shitty schedule, who's got um, the, the cushier schedule in terms of, you know, how much uh, are you, um, you know, playing on short rest, those kinds of things. Um, so that'll be fun. Let's start. Let's start, though, with um, let's let's do uh, Raiders Chargers there, which um, I think is a really interesting game because it's four. It's in Los Angeles. Um, the uh, Chargers are favored by four points. The Raiders, of course, have Devontae Adams now. And I think the interesting thing about this game, Eric, total 52. The interesting thing about this game is there's so many new pieces with the Raiders, and I just, I'm not sure how that's going to look for them to get things started. But I'll tell you what I am confident in. You know what I am confident in? This stadium, while it will be uh, have a Chargers logo in the center of the field, 
it will be silver and black throughout. I can tell you this right now. It will be silver and black all throughout that stadium. Because while the football, um, you know, the, the football Illuminati love the Chargers, okay? Th- that doesn't mean that all of a sudden there are more Chargers fans. Like, the, that's the, not how this works. No, I mean, look, I, I think actually the Chargers are this great epic battle between the football Illuminati and the football gods, right? There's mm. the almighty being that I that controls everything. And then there's the Jay-Z and the Beyonce's of the, of the football world that, that all that, that do what they can uh, let's just say. And, you know, the chargers last year in Vegas, now the Raiders were banged up. They didn't have Devonte Adams. They didn't really have a head coach. Uh, Rich Pisaccia did a good job uh, with what he could, but in that week 18 game, the chargers were favored by three. Right. And, and they ultimately come back two scores down. They, they tie the game. The game goes into overtime. Um, and the, the Vegas Raiders, uh, you know, are prepared to run out the clock, right? It was, I was actually on a, on a Twitter uh, spaces with Rob Bazzoli. He asked me if I could do the fourth quarter of that game. Uh, and I, he's like, can you stay for overtime? I'm like, hell yeah, I can stay for overtime. And it was like the best game of the season. And, you know, ultimately the Raiders prevailed. The Raiders have a great kicker, Daniel Carlson, uh, you know, pretty good quarterback in car. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Josh McDaniels. Now that, that there was there was the reports that came out this week about the Raiders organization and how they like fired a team president. I want to say, and there, there were a lot of dysfunction there. Um, this would imply what the the, the Chargers are. What uh, if you make a home field advantage of like one and a half points? The Chargers are two and a half points better than them on a neutral. We would what, make what them. What were you giving the, the home field advantage? One and a half. Oh, stop it. Oh, so you think it's just, okay. So right. here's—I'll make this case. I'll make this case. I think that um, uh, the the percentage, the, the vast majority of fans will be Raiders fans. The okay. trip from uh, Las Vegas to Los Angeles is—it's nothing. I mean, it's you nothing. sound like you would know. <laughs> I've, I've made the, I made the trip maybe once or twice. I mean, it's nothing. And um, to be clear, I would say a lot of those, I mean, hell for Derek Carr and Devonte Adams, California is home. Um, that's going to be, I just don't see where the, the home field advantage is, honestly, like the, uh, let me put it this way. The chargers players traveling and assuming none of them actually live in Inglewood the Chargers players are going to travel longer to get to the stadium than the Raiders players are flying into LAX and then going to the stadium. Now, of course, they're all going to fly in, you know, the, the day before they I would assume both teams are going to stay in hotels the night before because yeah. uh, it's impossible to actually. Well, okay. The so, so, so if you give a home field advantage of nothing, let's say, so that means the Chargers are four points better on a neutral, we would make it more like 1.5 points better like mm-hmm. our metrics. Um, but again, the Raiders last season, you know, and somebody got after me on Twitter about this, like, I'm not going to write the dissertation every single fucking time, but here's the thing. The Raiders last year won 10 games, but they had a point differential of a seven and 10 team, right? They had a Mm negative, them and the Steelers had negative point differential and and teams like the Chargers, uh, I believe the Ravens, I got to look back at the Ravens, but like there were teams with better point differentials that had worse records and didn't make the playoffs. So you know, I think people look at the Raiders and say, oh, they're really improved. You know, we're going to like them because we grade Adams well. We grade Carr relatively well. We're not going to like the Chargers because there are aspects of, of Herbert's game. I think Herbert's a lot better of a player than we grade him, frankly. So, like, we that's where we where we are in the teams. Where we think the Chargers are about a point and a half better on a neutral, which means 
if you think that home field advantage isn't really good here, you should bet the Raiders. I'm staunchly this season. I, I think it's because of my, my view of Josh McDaniel. I think it's because of my view of Herbert and, and Staley, as well as what I thought was a really good year from Derek Carr last year and, and possible regression to the mean. I might stay away from this game because I don't believe in the Raiders at all. Yeah, I'll say this. This was what would scare me about this game. Now, let me, let me be very clear here. The, the Chargers made some really shiny pickups, right? Um, Khalil Mack, obviously one of them. The, the Raiders picked up Chandler Jones, too. I don't think we should overlook him. The difference would be for me that the Chargers have a much improved offensive line. And if you look over on the right side of the Raiders offensive line, you have Alex Leatherwood, the 80th of 82 graded guards last year, and Brandon Parker, the 76th of 83 graded tackles. And they will be going up against some combination of Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. And that worries me on a team that is installing a new offense. That said, I think four is too many points. I will roll with the Raiders. Um, Raiders, okay. Raiders, Raiders did trade Yannick Ngakwe. Um, they, they, they had some defections as well, uh, that are going unnoticed. Casey Hayward, I believe left as well. Yep. I think he went to the Falcons. Um, you know, Brian and, Edwards, they just traded him. They're not now, that deep at wide receiver. Well, so, yes. Yeah, this is true. But Darren Waller is theoretically healthy. He's now. healthy again. You know? Yeah. He had, he wasn't having a great year when healthy before he got injured. Like there was a, there was a big time volume situation for him. But yeah, okay, let's move on to the next game. Let's go to, let, let's start this off with the, the kickoff game, Buffalo okay. and Los Angeles. So this is in Los Angeles once again. Uh, the Rams are a one-point favorite at home to the Buffalo Bills, who are the Super Bowl favorites, amazingly so. I think we may be on different sides of this. This yeah. is disrespectful as hell. This is super Super disrespectful to the Los Angeles Rams. The defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams are only a one-point favorite at home against the Buffalo Bills. What would the what would the spread of the Super Bowl been had had Buffalo made it? Had Buffalo made it? Um, it was in Los Angeles. I would go probably Rams two favor. It's in Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah, I think the same thing about the Rams home field advantage applies. Uh, not the same. They actually think, do. They actually have fans. Similar. I they don't think actually have fans in in Los Angeles. The okay. Chargers literally don't have any fans. What would okay, you so, make the Super Bowl? So, so here, so here's where I would say, it. Um, Buffalo and Kansas City last year were about the about equally yoked. If anything else, but if anything, Buffalo is a little bit better. Uh, that that game closed in Arrowhead at like two. Um, home field advantage in Arrowhead is fairly significant. Um, so let's say Kansas City and Buffalo would be a pick on a neutral. Uh, Kansas City was seven-point favorites against Cincinnati at home in the AFC title game. Subtract from that, uh, subtract from that about two-and-a-half points. Uh, so there were five-and-a-half points. Uh, well, so no, four-and-a-half points uh, uh, on a neutral against the Bengals. So Buffalo would be four-and-a-half points better uh, than the Bengals on a neutral. Cincinnati was plus four in the Super Bowl. So Buffalo would have been favored um, by a half a point to a point in the Super Bowl. If you sort of go through all those machinations together with me, there's a fair amount of assumptions there. Um, now, that was with 
a pretty healthy L.A. team who has Vaughn Miller, who has Odell Beckham Jr. healthy, who had, you know, no, who had Andrew Whitworth healthy, who had Robert, when they didn't have Robert Woods, but then they had Jalen Ramsey. Um, they had, I'm trying to think of all, of going all the way through sort of the machinations there. So, like, I think that L.A. Ram team last year in the Super Bowl is probably better after you subtract, you know, Beckham, after you subtract uh, Von Miller, after you subtract Andrew Whitworth, and you get back Allen Robinson and Troy Hill is basically what they got. Buffalo now, again, the draft pick doesn't matter. It's baked into the market somewhat, but it, it matters that Buffalo had two draft picks before L.A. even had one. You know, you have Kahir Elam, James Cook, doesn't matter much to the point spread. And then you have Von Miller, Khalil Shakir at wide receiver. You get uh, Tredavious White back healthy, which he wasn't in the playoffs, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I think this line, if anything, is giving the Rams too much respect. And I, really? I, I would bet Buffalo. And the markets, look, if you look at the money line, it's minus 110. Uh, they're basically giving a point to Buffalo, I think, to entice money. Um, and that one point is worth five cents on each side. So I, I actually like Buffalo in this game quite a bit. I think, um, and again, it's not me hating on the Rams. I'm just trying to add it up for everybody. Yeah, I just think that's a, um, I, think, I think everyone and their mother is going to bet the Bills. Um, it, for every reason that you just said, the, the reason that I think that, that may be jumping out to a little bit of um, a few conclusions too early. And, and the reason for that would be, look, the Rams did say what you want about how they won it. They did win the Super Bowl <laughs> at home. I mean, you know, at home, whatever. They're playing at home as the Super Bowl champions on kickoff weekend against a team that is traveling across the country who is somehow, and I love the Bills. This is not me hitting on the Bills at all, but is somehow the, the Super Bowl favorite this year, which to me I think is a little, we've talked about this before, is just a little ridiculous given the AFC. And last year, yes, that Chiefs game, I think we all remember that game. We remember them blowing the tar, uh, blowing the tar beating the crap out of the New England Patriots. But they also were a super up and down team. Um, not a lot of consistency. Uh, we all, I think, well, not all of us, but some of us remember that Jacksonville game. Um, and the the Rams, yes, they lose Von Miller. That is a big loss. Yes, the Bills actually pick him up. That is a big um, get for them. But, um, I, I, you know, I think the, the Allen Robinson pickup is going to be really great. I think the fact that they're playing – you know, as a Super Bowl champion on kickoff um, weekend has to count for something here. Um, and I actually think there will be now Buffalo fans travel really, really, really well. That would be my biggest concern. But unlike the Chargers, the Rams did just win the Super Bowl. There are L.A. fans that are Rams fans. I do think they will show up here. Uh, that's yeah, my take. I, I think you addressed a couple of things. Interestingly, that are some that are obviously very correlated with each other, but are different. I think Buffalo is the best team in the AFC. I also mm-hmm. think that they are they are the favorites to win the Super Bowl, but I don't necessarily think that the degree to which they're favorites, which is they're six to one, Kansas City's ten to one. That difference 
is almost entirely due to, I think, one thing, and that's that Buffalo's schedule, while not being easy, it doesn't, it's not an easy schedule. It's it, it, the rest differential stuff is actually relatively favorable to the Chiefs. It's more favorable to Buffalo. And when you look at, you know, the path to supremacy in the AFC, it's going to be really hard for a team from the AFC North, where there's Cleveland, Cincinnati, Baltimore, or from the AFC West, where there's Kansas City, and I'm going to piss off Oakland fans here, Kansas City, Los Angeles Chargers, and Denver Broncos. Like, though, the team that wins the North or the West are, is probably not going to get the one seed because of a very similar thing that happened last season, which was, you know, there are, there's easy divisions. There's the South and there's the East. And, you know, I think that the Buffalo Bills, by virtue of the fact that they can sort of stomp out the Jets, the Patriots, and the Dolphins, Will win the will win the one seed in the AFC more easily than an equally yoked Kansas City team, LA Chargers, Denver Broncos, Cincinnati Bengals, uh, and Baltimore Ravens, Cleveland Browns. If you want to mention them too, so that that's my point. I I I, I think that the gap between them and the next best AFC team is smaller than the gap between the Super Bowl odds that they have and the next best Super Bowl odds team for that reason. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, at least we found something that we we disagreed on though. Um, I guess this makes me a part of the, this makes me a part of the rambling. Is that, is that how this works? The rambling. Yep. Well, you're from LA anyway. So you- yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> let's go to the team that I actually root for. Uh, this is the uh, starting now Sunday, one o'clock San Francisco 49ers. It seems like they do this now every year. They go start out on the East coast. Um, I guess uh, some people call Chicago Midwest. I still don't understand that at all. Chicago is the central central time zone. So yeah, central somehow. Cincinnati's Eastern time zone. Chicago Central time zone makes a ton of sense. Um, the the Niners are a six and a half point favorite in Chicago against the Bears. Let me at total forty two and a half. Um, let me ask you this: Does this, in your opinion, tell you anything about the markets view the start, how they view the starting quarterback for the Niners? No, no, this is entirely how horrid the Bears are going to be. Yeah. Um, I, when I first ran the numbers and I saw this number, I was like, Ben, we got to rerun the numbers because I forgot to put the tank variable next to the Bears. The Bears aren't tanking on purpose. Well, nominally, they're not tanking on purpose. They have a young quarterback and all that stuff. But like for as far as the talent of their roster, they're tanking. Um, that is the difference, I think, between where we have. So we have San Francisco about two and a half points better than the average team on a neutral. We have the Bears about five and five points worse than the average team on a neutral. So you throw in home field advantage. That's where you get the point spread for this game. I don't think I can bet either side. Um, for similar reason, you know, last year when San Francisco went on the road and faced Detroit, which is in the Eastern time zone, but still a Midwest city somehow, they they kind of really killed the Detroit Lions, but then the Lions showed, as they had, they did all year, the pluckiness to come back and cover the closing line. I, I think similarly about this game where you have Justin Fields, you know, Justin Fields can do some things with his legs. The Niners, to your point on the last podcast that you and I were on together, like didn't do a ton to address the secondary after Charvarius Ward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not, they're also not like that effective of a run game. We all talk about how Elijah Mitchell was great last year. Like Elijah Mitchell actually like above expectations, but not the greatest. We also looked at the NGS data linebackers moved on run plays against the Niners, the least amount in the league. I think that's a cool thing for Shanahan to sort of hang his hat on Rams for second, uh, which tells you how bad the running backs for the Rams are too. Um, 
So I, I just don't think you can lay a touchdown with the Niners on the road, even if the Bears, which I believe is true, are going to be one of the bottom three teams in the league. Um, I wouldn't lay a touchdown, but it's six and a half. Um, let me give you, let me, let me tell you what's going to happen in this game. Justin Fields last year, what did Justin Fields do last year that we expected to happen that ended up happening? He held on the ball for freaking ever, right? Over three seconds, average time to throw. Um, what is the strength of the San Francisco 49ers? that only got stronger in the draft, their defensive line. Um, let me tell you who is starting at left tackle for the Chicago Bears. Tevin Jenkins, PFF pass block grade of 54.6 last year. At right tackle starting is Larry Borum, PFF pass block grade of 62.7. Both of those, uh, very, very bad. Okay, not good at all. Um, the other thing that I would point out is there is absolutely no one whether it's Trey Lance or Jimmy G, and I have a sneaking suspicion it could be Jimmy G, there is no one on this planet that is covering George Kittle. But no one in Chicago for sure that is covering George Kittle. And I am – I just think the Bears are going to be in it, getting destroyed. And when you think about how they come back in this game, I could see this being something where, like, Justin Fields gets sacked like 10 times in this game. Like, I – I am worried about the Bears. So I actually like six and a half. I really also like 42 and a half. I, the Niners are going to come out and just run over this team. I mean, this team stinks. They are really not good. Sounds like you could tease the Niners down to a half a point. And, you could. And find some other find You some could. Other games. I don't even know if I'm going to need to, though, at six and a half. I, I, and I don't know which one I like more, over 42 and a half or minus six and a half. Because I like your point around I think the Niners come out here and you know just steamroll and then maybe they put pull their you know their foot off the gas and um Chicago you know finds a way to score some points late um by the way right now do you think it's going to be Trey Lance or Jim G Trey Lance uh it'll man I I think it's I think it's not like 90 10 though I think it's like 70 30 like, I tend to agree if he's on if he's on the roster and he beats him out, like they're not not playing him. I you know I just think Jimmy G's kind of like Jimmy G kind of sucks. Like I don't know. I've been yeah, but I've I've done ring around the rosy with the takes on on Jimmy G. Jimmy G throws what's called, which is a good trait. Good good job, Jimmy G. He's bad at like if any other quarterback got those same calls and threw them, they'd be better. So that's bad mm-hmm. for Jimmy G, right? But Trey Lance, if he doesn't even throw what's called, right, then then Shanahan's going to hate him, and there's going to be some issues. I concur with you. Okay, um, let's. So there are a few really good games left. Um, let's let's make sure we get to those, um, and let's go to your Kansas City Chiefs playing the Arizona Cardinals four twenty five. This is in Arizona. The Arizona Cardinals are plus three at home total of 53 um what do you make this one i i can't i can't go to the chiefs fast enough lay three i know it's minus 115 right it's expensive now to lay chiefs here it was two and a half on the open so the the smart money has gone to them 
at least to the extent that they're smart money this time of year. The Cardinals, well, we haven't given the Cardinals a lot of attention. And I think for rightly so, uh, they, they were sort of the same team every year for the, the Cliff Kingsbury era. Um, we, you know, so if you're a Jets fan, you're thinking, why have these two bozos focused just on the Jets? Or if you're a Raiders fan, same thing, Rams. The Cardinals were the biggest fraud in the NFL last year. And I, I think that it comes down with a thud this year. No DeAndre Hopkins in week one, right? A.J. Green, I think, is coming back. Hollywood Brown, I know that they gave up, like, or they got back a pick from the Ravens. Well, let's just talk about the 23rd pick. That was an egregious trade to take him on for a low 20s draft pick. Um, you know, they re-signed, like, they, they just, they were doing silly things, the Cardinals. And they have two linebackers in Zayvon Collins and Isaiah Simmons who, like, don't know what they're doing. And, you know, Andy Reid's going to be in his first, like, you know, game with the new offense. He's going to want to prove that, it, you know, the last five or six years was just not Tyreek Hill. I, I, I mean, I don't know how – and Patrick Mahomes never lost a game inside. So I think that this is going to be like an overs on Patrick Mahomes game. I think this is going to be that. a Chiefs laying three, uh, getting after the passer with George Karloftis, uh, Chris Jones. Uh, I, I can't look through – and I know this is the, the, the um, famous last words, but three is way too short. Yeah, the problem without Hopkins and the other issue is, you know, the interior of the Cardinals offensive line, not great. Um, players with sub 65 PFF grades to with sub 60 PFF grades. Um, and so you count, you know, the fact that Murray will be without his number one target with the fact that you have Chris Jones over there on the other side. And then this is equally as worrisome. <laughs> Actually, I think more worrisome. Um, the, the cornerbacks for the Arizona Cardinals are horrendous. Okay. I, I mean, it is, it is not good for them. They do not have a single corner projected to start with a PFF grade over 60. So, um, and, and two below 50. So when you think about how this game is going to play out, um, I, I tend to agree with you, even though I hate, I hate agreeing with you there. And i like, um, I like chiefs minus, three on the road as well. I, I promise. Well, that's a four o'clock game. You will be long gone by then uh, mm. back to the apartment. Mm. You might have to, you might have to catch the last hour if you come into the office before SNF. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, I will not be obnoxious in front of you for that game, but I will be obnoxious. like, look, they open and close the season in Glendale. That's, that's all you need to know. All you need to know. Okay. Let's go. Uh, your, your other favorite team the Minnesota Vikings Vikings are home. They're playing the Packers. This is also a 425 game. Um, Vikings plus one and a half total is 49 on the money line. Packers are minus minus one twenty, and the Vikings are plus 100. This was interesting to me because um, what is this line? If the Packers have Devonte Adams, is this three? I don't know. Because last year at Metrodome, the Packers were only laying one, right? We picked them as lock of the week. And, mm-hmm. like, to Kirk Cousins' credit, the guy balled, right? The guy, like, was out there throwing, you know, 
making plays and you know my guy MBS went for 70 to Mm -hmm. tie the game at the end and um it was a shoot it was a good old-fashioned shootout um the one game that I think of here is week one of 2020 when in a pandemic emptied stadium the Vikings were favored by two and a half and the Packers laid the smack down on them because the defense for Minnesota was so horrendous uh, I Adams obviously moves this number. I don't know if he moves it out to two and a half, but this is a situation where I think a lot of us intuitively believe, oh, the Packers have won 13 games the last three years. Mm-hmm. The Minnesota Vikings are about as average as, an, as a team in the NFL can be. Uh, Green Bay's on the road. They're inside. Rodgers you know, should thrive in those conditions, et cetera, et cetera. And we, we think, oh, Packers big here. And the market almost always gives the Vikings a lot of credit in situations like these. Interestingly, the Vikings are only two. They're one and a half point dogs at home to Green Bay. The following week on Monday Night Football, they're two and a half point dogs to the Eagles on the road. So like that shows you, and the market really, and again, there's home and road and all that kind of stuff, but that does show you sort of how condensed the NFC is, even as one of the top teams versus one of the middling teams. Yeah. Um, I think if anything, you have to lay it with Green Bay here only because of a few things. I think the everybody's looking at the Packers and saying it's going to be a big-time adjustment for them. No Adams, uh, you know, more of a power running game, uh, lean on the offensive line, lean on the running backs. Defense defense looks like a murderer's row of players, by the way. Mm-hmm. The Vikings, though, breaking in a new head coach, breaking in a new defensive coordinator, I, and, you know, Again, I, I hate to, like, I think Kirk Cousins is the best thing they have going in this game because the the offensive line is still not very good. The receivers are great with Jefferson, but they're not a lot of depth. And on defense, you, you're you not good talent-wise. And you have a new defensive coordinator who I think everybody's baking into the cake that he's going to be better than Zimmer was, but that's a long shot. So if I'll lay the one and a half. But there's a cat. I mean, there's there's huge uncertainty here, especially because Cousins, at his best, can play games with Rodgers. I agree. Um, I will not be betting the Vikings plus one and a half. I will one hundred percent be teasing the Vikings out to plus seven and a half, probably with the Colts down to one and a half against the Texans on the road. Um, cause that's the only other game that crosses seven and three, um, there, uh, and, and here's the reason for this. The D- Devonte Adams was the most targeted player in the NFL last year as a percentage of total targets for his team. And there's a reason for that. He's always freaking open. Like, what do you do with those 15 times that you're going to throw Devontae Adams the ball? And you're like, wait, who's open? And you are hoping that Christian Watson comes in and and turns into Devontae Adams? Like, that ain't happening. Like, I hate to even break that to you, but Devontae Adams, when he came in, it took Devontae Adams a few years. Like, people don't just come in and, and have synergy with Rodgers. So, yeah. is it Alan Lazard? You know, because the, the weakness for the – the Vikings certainly on the defensive side requires receivers on the same page with Rodgers. I could very much see that. Look, I think the Packers are going to come out and, and run the ball here and at home in a situation where you've got Kirk cousins. Now, like I want to be clear. I don't know that the new um, Vikings regime is going to light the world on fire, 
but positive regression on the offensive side of the ball is going to happen. Like Kirk Cousins in that offense is going to be solid. And he's got now Adam Thielen back healthy. I know they're not deep, but this is the first game of the season. Jefferson and Thielen healthy um, is going to be tough to, to deal with. And you look at Smith and Gary there and, and Kenny Clark on the interior. That's Wyatt something Devon worried. Wyatt. Yeah, that's something you're worried about. But the play action game that the Vikings are going to throw at them is going to mitigate that a little bit, a little bit more than it normally would. And so um, for that reason, I, I very much like the Vikings here. As George, I'm going to make teaser. an executive move here. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about the rest of the week one games as well as the schedule on Wednesday. We got to talk about this, though. Drew Brees, 52 minutes ago on Twitter, said, despite speculation from the media about my future this fall, I'm currently undecided. I may work for NBC. That's news to NBC, I think, by the way. Mm-hmm. I may play football again. Whoa. I may focus on business and philanthropy. Now, oh. Good work on that, by the way, Drew. Um, I'm... I may train for the pickleball tour, senior golf tour, coach my kids, or all of the above. I'll let you know. Wait, all of the above. So he might work for NBC and play football. That's how you know that tweet wasn't well thought out. <laughs> um, I'm glad that you noticed that because I, want, I kind of wanted to talk about this. Drew Brees was predictably not good in the booth. Like this was predictable, right? Well, okay, back back up. Let's back this thing up, okay? All right. We have been spoiled by people, by, by Tony Romo, like a couple people. A, Chris Collinsworth, our boss, who's tremendous in the booth, has also, Chris Collinsworth has been in the booth since like 1991 or something, right? He re- retired from football in 89, after not making the Bengals that year, went straight to HBO. He's been honing this craft for like 30 years. And, and that's, and he, and he also has like an army of PFF people to help him. So like, there's a ton of thing, ton of reasons why Chris is the best. And a lot of them have to do with Chris and a lot of them have to do with the time he spent and the hard work he puts in and all that. And, and he has, and he has a good personality. That's like, and he's, got a good person. And, he's you know, yeah, he's delightful, but like, yeah. you know, the same thing with Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman's got like, and I, I've been part of a group that's helped Aikman during a broadcast. Like he's, he's got people helping him. He's been in the, like Chris and Troy were next to Joe Buck in like the early 2000s in the three man group. Like they've been doing this for a long time. So you're giving Drew Brees a pass here. I'm not giving Drew Brees a pass. I'm saying we, we, we signed Brady to this humongous deal at Fox. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And we, we, Tony Romo comes in, and the guy's got a great personality. The bar's also super low because, like, like I'll get, I'll say this: Tony Romo is extremely entertaining. I don't think he's like the greatest football analyst from like a tactical perspective. I think every once in a while he he falls ass backwards into some good takes, and then he has some kind of frankly like he, he has great intuition. Like when after the Bucks Chiefs game in the regular season, he's like, I think this is the Super Bowl. Like that's yep. great intuition. But like there are other, like he also bats about 500 on the calls pre-snap. And, and when he hits them, we're like, oh my God. And then he doesn't, he doesn't know half the people's names. And like, and he's been at it now for five years. It's crazy to think about. Drew Brees coming in and being like a 
you know, never do it. Like he did some college games, right? He did Notre Dame, I believe, right? Like how many games does he have in his belt? Like 10? Yeah, I, I guess I'm not trying. So apparent the word on the street is, and this is not me knowing anything on the inside. This is me reading. I think I uh, was from Pro Football Talk or whatever. Was that Breeze the, wanted the great to call. Stakes, uh, the great yeah. stake uh, 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 craftsman. Look, I'll just say this. If you are not a professional, don't post your food online. It doesn't look good. Like I, you, It may taste good. It may actually be cooked well. Uh, it, it ain't going to look good. So just don't do it. You're, you're ridiculous. Um, by the way, that and that picture of steak did not turn out super well. Um, and probably wasn't cooked well either. But was that Breeze wanted to call more games. And they were like, hey, man, like, that's actually you need to go do football night in America and like figure this thing out because he, he was he, the, the Bengals um, Raiders game, which is the playoff game that he did here uh, was not good. <laughs> that was, that was not a good showing for him and he needs to kind of like season it up a little bit, but the problem with breeze and the reason I knew or not knew, but like the reason I wasn't super bullish on this was when have you ever said Drew Brees? Man, I just that guy's personality. Is I, love, I love hearing him talk. Yeah, like, it's, like there's no, nothing. no. And, and, and here's the thing: he better not come back and play because Brett Favre had a hose. Okay, and so if he lost ten percent of it, the guy still had a howitzer out there, right? Who, who's signing Drew Brees right now? Like Carolina, maybe. Like, I, but like they don't have. Well, the Carolina actually has money. Like they could do it. Yeah. It'd be kind of embarrassing to have Donald sitting on the bench, 18 million. Man, that'd be just something. drafted Corral in round three. And then, hey, Drew, come in. That roster's dreadful. That's the worst team in the NFL, I think, yep. if they don't sign him. But also, like, Breeze is cooked. He was cooked in 2020. Yeah. The guy, like, what would be the purpose of signing Drew Breeze? It would be to, to win a Super Bowl. By the time you get to week 20 of the season, the guy can't throw deep. Like, that's been true for five years. And, and standing next to Tony Dungy and Steve Kornacki at the NBC booth, is not going to increase your arm strength. If you sign him, you like, I legitimately think you can't sign him until, like, week 10 <laughs> you know like you can't trot him out there week one and expect it to work out yeah if a guy gets hurt in like at week 12 or whatever you need a guy to come in and check the ball down whatever yeah. I, I i would say like the the thing also like there was a, a high profile like game that chris did early in his career for uh for notre dame football where he made uh, some mistakes there was also a time where he called the boomer assassin game and if anybody remembers boomer was Chris's quarterback and he was critical of Boomer and like there was like hubbub over that. And now Chris is the best broadcaster there is. And mm-hmm. I think like we have to be careful about, you know, because like think about how bad Jason Witten was. Like Jason Witten was horrible. And like yep. he he got he took that to pay off and he went right back into the field and, and and he knew he knew that that wasn't his career. And and it's okay if Drew does that. I also I also think our expectations, like he should be calling, I mean, he should be calling Mac games. Yeah. But he's just not going to be calling Mac games because he's too high profile. You think Tom Brady's going to call a Western Michigan game? Okay. But that's think, like how you, you do you think your, Tom Brady's going to be good in the booth? I don't, but like, really? Like no, I, I mean, I think he'll say some insightful stuff. I think he'll be bored. I think like he, he's going to be like, 
I, maybe I'm wrong because I think he's guy, so. Guy, I go think ahead. he's going to be good. Here's why I think he's going to be good. My opinion is that Tom Brady. What the, here's the reason that Chris is the best. What he does, he works harder than anyone else. A, a lot of people at PFF work really, really hard. Chris is up there at the top. Like the dude yeah. works his ass off to be comfortable enough in the game to to have a conversation. The way he and Al talk about what they do is they're like. This is us having a conversation on the couch about the game. But to do that, you have to be so confident. You have to know all the players. You can't be, you can't think through things. It has to be natural. Tom Brady, in my opinion, will approach this the way that it should be approached, which is a really hard to do job. I'm pretty sure Drew Brees, Tony Romo came out and they're like, hey man, I've been grinding for a while. Now I'm just looking for something to, you know, show up on Sunday rip it up and, you know, be done with it and collect a nice little paycheck here. Tom Brady ain't doing that. Tom Brady's yeah. coming in. He's making $375 million. He's coming in for blood. Like to me, he is coming in to do this as well as he possibly can. Here's my question. We know he doesn't run his social media. Half the reason we think Tom Brady's so damn endearing is because his social media game is right. hilarious. He has a team like they've written articles about this. He had a team like 10 people. Like they formed their own social media consulting company because of how successful it is. But you know what? I think they can still support him in game. Yeah. You get so a little they, they, Slack chat open. You're texting Tom Brady some, some jokes. Tom Brady's going to fire those off. Tom Brady's going to be ready for that. I think he's going to be really good in the booth because I think he's just yeah. going to be so damn prepared. I think those are the only two outcomes, right? I think the, the only, I don't think he's going to be average at it. I think that the, the, you're right. I think I, I, there was the reports, right? Breeze told Peyton, he's like, look, I have to work. Like I don't work that hard. I get paid this much mm-hmm. and it's a good gig if you can get it. And like, obviously, you know, his performance in the booth like showed. Right. And I guess my issue is going to be, these guys are uber competitive. Right. And the question I have is if, if there's no like win or loss and there's no championship and there's no X, Y, and Z, and you're already like the thing is the difference between Brady's football career and Brady's future broadcasting career was Brady. When he was drafted by the NFL was a sixth round pick, pick 199. He had to spend all career proving that he's the number one overall pick making the number one overall pick money as a broadcaster. And so, like, there might not be that chip on his shoulder to pr- like there. The the what you described is perfectly plausible and, and perfectly possible. My thought is like, what if he's not driven by this? Oh, everybody thinks I'm going to suck, or ever, no one believes in me. It's like, well, very clearly, like an entire network believes in you because they're paying you ten years, yeah. almost four hundred million dollars. So that's that's the other side of it, and the fact that broadcasting is is competitive, but not in the same way that I think playing football is competitive. I agree. I agree. It'll be interesting. Let's talk real quick about the one last um, really good game, which is Brady's Bucks Sunday night, as yeah. as was predicted on this show, that Sunday night football would have Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is going to be a hell of a ratings game because it's in Dallas and they're playing the Cowboys. Cowboys are plus two and a half. I will, I will say really quickly my thoughts on this game. Dallas and their offense looked not great down the stretch last year. Yep. Losing Amari Cooper is going to hurt them. It is going to hurt them. There are going to be some question marks with that offense. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers 
with Tom Brady coming back, two and a half point favorites. Last year, we talked about this game and we talked about how Tom Brady was going to, you know, take advantage of Micah Parsons at linebacker. And he did. And they finally put Micah Parsons uh, as a pass rusher. And he was amazing. Maybe the best defensive player in the NFL. Um, I think Tom Brady is going to have his way here once again. The fact that it's less than three. Um, I love Brady in the spot. Yeah. This teasable in the, in a, in the point spread sense, two and a half up to eight and a half, you go through three and you go through seven total at 51 and a half. Uh, makes that a little bit harder. Last year, the total on opening night was 52, and it went over. Um, the spread on opening night in in Tampa, granted, and with remember the the the, the questions about Dak's shoulder. Remember, everybody was talking mm-hmm. about how Dak's arm wasn't prepared for opening night, and, and so on and so forth. Um, that was out to nine. Uh, that point spread, and of course, uh, Dallas lost by two uh, on a last second Brady drive. Dak was terrific in that game. Um, but you're right. I mean, Dallas has atrophied some this offseason. Um, other teams and the NFC East are catching up to them. Tampa, though, you have to be careful, right? So Tampa, you know, without Jordan Whitehead, Nadamik and Sue might come back, but maybe not. Um, I think Pierre Paul is also a free agent. Uh, they went with Logan Hall in, in the draft uh, with their first pick at pick 33. Um, and then, you know, you had Ali Marpet leave. You had the Chris Godwin injury. Um, yeah, the Antonio Brown, obviously not on the team anymore. Uh, so I think both teams have lost some pieces, uh, which is why maybe this is this point spread has shrunk uh, even from the neutral site spread. It was an opening night in 2020, 2021. Yeah, I understand exactly, you know, what you're saying there. Um, like you look at the you look at the Cowboys and I mean, let's just look at their their tackles real quick. You've got Terrence Steele over there at right tackle. Like, you're going to put Shaq Barrett on him, and you're going to let Shaq Barrett go to work over there. And you're going to make Dak Prescott feel that pressure all game long without his what has been his number one target. Now, I get that CeeDee Lamb ranked eighth in the NFL last year, and I said CeeDee Lamb is a guy that you have to have in the conversation for top five at his position. 100%, he was amazing. But it's going to be different now that he doesn't have Amari Cooper over there. It just is. And look, last last year we said, hey, Tom Brady's going to take advantage of Micah Parsons. I think Tom Brady's going to take advantage of Trayvon Diggs in this game. Trayvon Diggs coming off of that amazing interception year, but his aggressiveness paid the price on the other side. And so, I don't know, for that reason, I'm rolling. If this is, stays less than three, I'm rolling with uh, – I'm rolling with uh, – our, our box. Our box. Very good. Um, by the way, there is some gambling Twitter uh, drama going on right now, which is kind of funny. Um, the Mavericks have opened up what appears to be a pretty large lead against the Suns. It's like 30, right? Yeah. And uh, our friend, uh, who has hosted some shows that we've been on, but also just like a very funny Twitter persona, Joey mm-hmm. Kanish. Yep. Uh, I believe his first name is actually Joey, but his last name's not Kanish. That's a character from Rounders, of course. Um, he tweets, Dallas fires Haralabob. Haralabob, by the way, a very, very, very successful NBA better. Haralabob yeah. um, Ra- Vulgaris, who is a great follow on Twitter because he, I don't know if he still bets, but he still does all of the analysis and yeah, like yeah. has. I he, mean, also, he also has tastes that would make yours blush, George. The kind of scarves he bought, the, the, what he 
what he spends on a scarf. I would let me be clear. I would <laughs> never. You will not catch me dead spending money on a scarf. Okay, but yeah, yes, but the price tag. He, he yeah. Of course, he, he's loaded because he he made all his money betting totals in NBA, CFL. Guy's extremely sharp. Mavericks hired him uh, to work in their front office. Apparently, like he like there the rumors that are like he and Luca didn't get along and all this kind of stuff. And, and so Joey Kinnish shots fired says. Dallas fires Haralabob, makes Luca happy, trade away the guy Haralabob wanted in Porzingis, hires a head coach Haralabob would never have signed off on in Jason Kidd, and now they're in the Western Conference Finals. You won't read it in the Dallas Morning News, but that's what happened. <laughs> to which I, I just I love I, I love the the banter uh, about this, uh, you know, because it, it is like sort of the one example that sports betters have consulted for teams for a long time. I think Haralabob's been the most high profile and in most high profile position. Um, but it was a very, very funny tweet by our friend Joey. Um, uh, on a, do on you, do you think he's just fucking around or do you think that's. I, I don't know. Do you spend any time in gambling Twitter? Now we are, I think, you know, we're on the fringes. We have friends in gambling Twitter. We have enemies in gambling Twitter. Um, if you spend any time in gambling Twitter, there are people who are super competitive there. I remember I bet a, U- a UCF or a, uh, I bet a UFC bet last night. Uh, Martin Carlisle, one of our employees, uh, has a model. It's done pretty well, um, and he had one bet last night. He tweeted it. I retweeted it. Somebody in gambling Twitter comes in when it lost because, of course, it lost this week, and he just goes L. And I think like there is this competitive nature, and these markets are competitive, right? Like ultimately. You know, you're betting against the sports book, but you are betting the the numbers are made up by the the price discovery of other betters, right? And, and through the pri- process of price discovery, through the bets that other betters make. And so, if you beat the closing line, in a way, you are winning the battle. Now, you know, you you have to beat the closing line repeatedly and over a big sample and, and in a very in a liquid sport and all that kind of stuff to win long term. But ultimately, it's a competitive game. And so the fact that that competitiveness spills over into Twitter is, is I think, just an accurate representation of what sports betting is, but it's really funny to me. Yeah, I wish I had spent uh, – I wish I had more time to dig into the Bob Dallas stuff because it's super weird to me that he – I want to know the genesis of why he and Luca didn't get along. The rumor is, is that Luca didn't like – and I think it's funny because everyone sees Luca and it's like, you know, this like young kid who, you know, oh, this guy is young, so he should like analytics and all this stuff. Apparently, Luca hated that Haralbob would, and you know, would come in and basically say, hey, here's what you've got to do because like the analytics say these things. And Luca was like, F you, I'm the one out here playing the game. You have no idea what you're talking about. And, you know, basically get off my lawn. And that was, that was how things, um, like just, I guess, soured. I, I find it interesting that he says that he, uh, that Jason Kidd was um, a coach that um, Ralbob would never have hired. That is interesting to me um, because I don't, I don't understand why that's the case. I think Jason Kidd, you know, by all accounts is a, you know, smart progressive. who was a great player, like all his players like him. So that doesn't make a ton of sense well, to me. It's also but, interesting because in, in our own sport football, like we have actually one example. Now, Quesi Adafo Mensa was not a sports better. He was a, a trader 
prior to joining the 49ers and the Browns and now being the general manager of the Vikings. But, you know, uh, and some people wonder if these, these are all Quessy's decisions, but um, through the grapevine, the Jim Harbaugh thing was all Quessy. Like he wanted Jim Harbaugh. And then obviously he got to hire Ryan Grigson. Now, Jim Harbaugh and Ryan Grigson are two men who I do not uh, associate with analytics. Like, I don't think they're stupid or anything, but I, I don't associate them with analytics. I, I actually think that, like, you know, somebody like Kwesi and possibly somebody like Haralabob would want to balance the room a little bit. Uh, and, and Kwesi Adafo-Mensa has, has acted that way as the general manager of the Vikings, to his credit. Yeah. Anyways, we could dig into... Uh basketball and gambling twitter for a while we will not do that on this podcast we will spend more time on the other week one games if you want to know how we feel about them though go to pff.com and check out the article that um eric and ben wrote last week they go over every single game there are some other good ones out there our jets playing the the ravens um some other good games uh i'm looking at right now patriots dolphins is a good one um steelers Bengals. uh oh that's it that's six and a half. That's a big one. I actually, I think the the Ravens. Now it didn't work last year against the Raiders, but like the Ravens and their annual yeah. go on the road and kick the shit out of a team. <laughs> that that's not that good, especially with uh, chip on their one, shoulder. Especially with the chip on their shoulder. The Bengals one's interesting. I was on a, a, a local station this morning, and I said, "Look, you got it." I mean, this has Super Bowl hangover written all, all over over it. So be careful before taking before laying the, the touchdown with the Bengals, I would say. Yes, that is true. Now, in, in um, true fashion, I managed to bungle all of the ad reads, uh, just like you did. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to think about your favorite uh, three-week one bets, okay, while I tell everyone about how to play best ball the best way possible. And we're okay. going to give out your three favorite bets right after this. Okay. Um, the best place to go play fantasy football this summer is underdog fantasy is not even close. Um, their best ball mania tournament has $10 million in total prize money. And the best part is you just draft a fantasy football team and that's it. You don't have to do waivers, trades, you don't have to, to start sit fiasco. You're trying to figure out who to start and who to sit. Your wife is yelling at you because you need to go grocery shopping. And the baby's crying and the dog needs to walk all that shit gone. Just draft a team draft well, and you could win a boatload of cash. The champion of best ball mania last year drafted in June. So there's no time like the present join underdog and take your shot at a million dollar draft. Plus underdog is going to double your first deposit up to hundred dollars. When you sign up with the promo code PFF, it's very simple. Go sign up, use promo code PFF. Also, if you play 10 of those dollars using promo code PFF, you get a free PFF subscription. This is the best deal I've ever heard of. I can't believe they're, how are they doing this? Um, so, so I don't know what you're waiting for. Head to underdogfantasy.com or go to the app store, download their, their app. It's very, very good. Play $10 with code PFF. Draft your best ball mania team today. Get your free PFF subscription. It'll take care of all of your fantasy needs, all of your betting needs as well. And uh, by the way, by the way, if you don't like playing best ball, that's not your thing. You can still get a great deal on PFS subscription with 25% off using promo code forecast. So all those things are there for you at underdog fantasy on their app or underdogfantasy.com with promo code PFF. Okay. Your three favorites in week one are what? Okay. Let's go. Buffalo plus one against okay. the Rams. That's my, that's, that's, I love that one. Um, the next one is going to be, uh, 
Dallas Cowboys plus eight and a half teased with the Indianapolis Colts minus one and a half in Houston. Teasing through seven, teasing through mm-hmm. three in mm-hmm. both cases. Um, by the way, fine books that you can get you minus 110, usually the paper heads, uh, especially if you're going to type your money this long. Um, and then lastly, look, restore, the roar is going to be restored this year. They have not won a division title since 1993. They have not played a playoff game at home since it was the Pontiac Silverdome and Brett Favre was starting his first career playoff game. They're in a division with the Packers, the Vikings, the Bears. Bears can be terrible. Vikings can be average. Packers could slide. Four to one to make the playoffs. That's the best bet on the board right now. But plus four in week one, your Detroit Lions at home against the Eagles. It's going to be a letdown spot for the Eagles. Everybody's buying into the Eagles. Uh, it, I, I think they win outright. You hate, you hate to show up in a letdown spot, um, which is apparently what the Phoenix Suns did in game seven of the uh, NBA playoffs. So uh, I'm, I'm with you on a few of those. Um, we've talked about them. Um, and uh, there you go. So you can get ready with some week one action. We'll be back on Wednesday. We love you. We thank you for hanging out with us. For George and Eric, we'll see you guys next time. Peace.